Hey everyone, welcome to the first ever episode of the Fast Podcast. My name is Stephen Roach and I'm going to be your host for this podcast series. Uh, A little bit about me, I'm an epidemiologist and a research consultant with Acer Consulting uh, and I'm happy to be one of the team members working on what we're calling the Farmed Animal Antimicrobial Stewardship Initiative or FAST for short. The FAST initiative exists to really help and support farmed animal owners and their veterinarians. And the way we're doing that is by trying to provide as much news, tools, and resources as we can to really showcase how uh, producers and their veterinarians can help steward antimicrobials moving forward. Now, this podcast series is really meant to showcase conversations that we're having with veterinarians who have different roles in maintaining and upholding animal health and farmed animals. In each episode, we're going to discuss how antimicrobial resistance impacts that individual, what antimicrobial stewardship looks like to them in their daily routine or practice, and their views on the challenges and, you know, the potential solutions to reducing our reliance on antimicrobials moving forward. This episode features conversations between myself, my colleague Dr. Dan Schock of Acer Consulting, and Dr. John Prescott, a former and now retired professor from the University of Guelph where he worked for over 35 years, and an internationally recognized advocate for antimicrobial stewardship. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Thanks very much, John, for coming in and having an interview with us. Uh, so what we've been asking everyone to do is just tell us briefly a little bit about the, themselves and, and your role in, the, in this cause, the antimicrobial resistance cause. I, I'm a retired veterinary bacteriologist. I worked at the Bat College for 35, 40 years or so. I, I wrote a book on antimicrobial therapy which in veterinary medicine, which has gone into five editions and gone into lots of translations. So I've been very interested in this issue, in fact, all the way back to when I was a vet student in 67. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's exciting to, to, to see the, the changes which are occurring now. It's been a long, long time coming. I think uh, we're, we're the, the threat of antimicrobial resistance is increasing all the time. It's, it's a huge problem. It's, it's almost insoluble problem in some ways. It's, mm-hmm. it's like climate change. It, it's global. <laughs> it's got so many elements to it. The danger is it it's, will be it's self-sustaining, and the biggest danger is it could become catastrophic. So mm-hmm. there's a huge fear for the future of antimicrobials. Oh, interesting. Well, John, you said 1967. That was, I don't mean to date you here, but like that was, that was quite a while ago. So you're always interested in antimicrobial resistance from that, that time on, or what brought you into the AMR sphere? I, I think when I was a student, there was a report called the Swan Report mm-hmm. in the UK, which removed all medically important antibiotics as growth promoters and brought, took out antimicrobials from feed and made them under veterinary prescription. And that had a huge impact on me as a kind of a 20-year-old. Mm-hmm. I worked in a diagnostic lab for quite a long time when I came to Canada and got interested in, in antimicrobials and trying to sort of systematize it and you know, get a good book out there. So that's really the mm-hmm. interest in it. And then, then I watched resistance emerge as a sort of slow tra- train wreck. <laughs> slow train wreck. Uh, so when you're examining the issue of AMR in animals, so where are we now and uh, where are we headed, John? I, I think we're, we're headed into the era of antimicrobial stewardship. Like there's this huge global concern, um, particularly in medicine. It's really limiting the impact of of 
medicines or antimicrobials. It, it really threatens modern medicine. I mean, modern medicine is based is built on the effectiveness of antibiotics, and if they're not effective, there's lots of things which just can't be done or will be done with much more difficulty. So, so we're headed into an era of stewardship, into preserving what we've got until such time as we can come up with new, new antimicrobials. Any new antimicrobials are going to be extremely expensive. They cost billions to, to develop. So I think we're in a sort of a transition process. Um, but there's no point in having a new antimicrobial if we don't know how to stewardship the ones we have now because mm-hmm. it's just going to be same old, same old. So the, the era of stewardship, what does stewardship look like for you? What's the perfect scenario of antimicrobial stewardship? I, I, I think it's, it's a complex uh, process. It, it includes sort of things like infection control. It includes better use of diagnostics. It includes rapid diagnostics or bedside, penside uh, diagnostics. It includes trying not to reduce an, use not to use antibiotics, so reduce the use of antibiotics by better vaccines, better management, better biosecurity. It improves it includes using the ones we have properly. There's a huge range of doses that are used by uh, people for diff- different durations. So I think it's a re-examination of how we use antimicrobials and, and how not to use them. Mm-hmm. So if you were to sit down with a, a veterinarian today that's working with some food-producing animals, what would be your recommendations that he could put in place on a, on a daily basis? So day one, the day after the interview, what could he do in his practice, or he or she? I, I think one of the things that's really important, and I'm not sure we're, we're there yet here, is actually to benchmark and to measure what people are using. So I think just documenting what's being used on different farms, you know, with the, the veterinary uh, client-patient relationship, Having a, an annual meeting with with a farmer to review what they what they've used, how they're using it, how that compares to to other people's, and and how how they can reduce the use of, of antimicrobials. Do you have can, do you have any examples of maybe who's doing it right or who who you feel is taking that next step and looking at benchmarking and that sort of thing? No, no, I don't. I think there's a lot of resistance to benchmarking because mm-hmm. I, I think veterinarians don't really want to get into that, <laughs> into that sort of thing, and I don't yeah. think they want to be to be measuring it. There's a lot of very good software out there. there there's very good examples, say in Europe, of mm-hmm. benchmarking. I mean, the the Dutch have targets on on antimicrobial use on farms. They identify veterinarians or farmers who are out on the kind of the tail. And then they, they go after them. They, they'll say you're you're green or you're yellow or you know, orange like, mm. or you're red. If you're red, you're you're in trouble. If you're okay. orange, you're kind of warned, and you need to start looking at what what you do. So that's a sort of a, a government regulated, mm. targeted approach to reduction. Um, and I, I I think I mean the the Danes are also similarly there in in food animals. We don't have we don't have benchmarking here, and there's there's resistance to it, but but I mean the great start is by making antimicrobials veterinary prescription only. Mm-hmm. That that's that's huge. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean I think we're just in Act One of a three or four Act play. <laughs> so there's a lots lots coming, and I'm not sure that that people are still taking this as seriously as it really 
should mm. be should be taken. I, I think you know there's there's some reluctance in different uh, places to really really engage. And I so I think we've got a long way to go to mm-hmm. to improve the way we use use antimicrobials. What do you think some of those bottlenecks are, or the resistance are to why uh, someone wouldn't want to uh, benchmark or participate in a benchmarking process? Um, I, I think part of it's regulation. I mean, I think I think the lack of lack of regulation, mm-hmm. the lack of requirements for for benchmarking. I mean, I, I keep saying to farmers and farm organizations, you know, embrace this. Like, you know, embrace it. You know, this mm-hmm. is a f- about the future of agriculture. This is about stepping up to the plate. This is about social license and so on so you know get on board with this and, and I think the veterinary profession has to do do the same I think it's like December the 1st 2018 is the big date if we didn't have that date it would never have happened it's about three years behind what was predicted to be mm-hmm. but I think it's a start mm-hmm. so, I, so I guess my message is but we're at the start of, of <laughs> A process which is going to keep embracing and developing stewardship. Act one of the pro- uh, act. This one is of the Act process. One. <laughs> so so at, sorry. Uh, on, on December first. <laughs> on December first, things are changing. Uh, how do you how do you see that affecting? Uh, let's start with a couple part question. Veterinarians. How do, how would it affect veterinarians, and how is it going to affect our produce our food animal producers? Well, it's, it's going to affect veterinarians because they they may have to stockpile antimicrobials, and so mm-hmm. just just distribution issues may you know may be important, and they need to kind of engage um, with that. Um, and I, I don't have the details of, of that. I mean, I recognise mm-hmm. it as an important uh, complexity because of the change change mm-hmm. distribution. How it will affect producers is they, they will need an, a prescription to get an antibiotic, so they'll need to have a. a good veterinary client-patient relationship. It won't obviously mean that vets are prescribing antibiotics for every particular case, but they'll have to work really hard on, on making sure that the antimicrobials they dispense are used appropriately. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to someone that says antimicrobial use in animals uh, is not the problem? Uh, I, w- I would say no. It is. It is. It's not the problem. <laughs> the problem. It is yeah. a problem. A problem. It is a problem. Yeah. I, I think it's it's hard to document what the contribution of antibiotic use in animals is to resistance in humans. But mm-hmm. it's certainly it's it's there. It's measurable. I could give you a list, probably as long as my arm, of antibiotic resistant bacteria that can get in and have been shown to get in from animals to. To people, so it's part. It's part of the problem, mm-hmm. and I and I think the the brilliance of One Health is that One Health is basically it's a an approach to not blaming. Like One Health, the the whole world adopting One Health is actually to move away from blame of agriculture or it's medicine. It's got nothing to do with agriculture or it's environment, and we can't do anything about it because they're there, been there since millennia ago. So we're moving, we're moving to a non-blaming, everybody takes responsibility, everybody fights in their corner. If, if people don't fight in the corner, then, then the truce around One Health will, will stop. Mm-hmm. The truce will stop, 
And I think it could be that agriculture would not be allowed to use any antibiotics. Mm. Like, this is serious, and, and I'm not sure I can get across how serious it is. Currently, it's, it's a truce, One Health, everybody fights their corner, everybody tries to reduce the use of antibiotics, make their use better, reduce the use of the really critical ones. If, if, if the gloves come off, then, <laughs> then one health will go. So, so, so this is a breathing space mm-hmm. for veterinary medicine, for agriculture to step up to the plate. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the One Health approach. What are some of the One Health initiatives that you've been involved with throughout your career then, John? I, I actually know that Terry would be a great fan of One Health. Oh. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, so I guess zoonoses okay. and, and emerging <laughs> zoonotic uh, diseases and so on is all part of a One Health approach. I, mm-hmm. I think it's, in some ways, I think it's a bit of a funding opportunity for vet schools and, mm-hmm. and medicine doesn't really understand no. what One Health is. I, but, I mean, it's a useful concept. Mm-hmm. It's a useful general concept of animals humans environment you know having a kind of sharing a common space sharing you know elements of health um, most infections uh, new infections of people come from animals and so on so it's not a it's not a bad concept um, <laughs> but, but and, and I think in the context of antimicrobial resistance is actually useful but mm-hmm. it's a political construct um, I think as well as well as being maybe a generally useful concept mm-hmm. So we mentioned before a little bit about the Pan-Canadian Framework for Action, uh, and, you, and you mentioned that the action plan will be coming soon. What, what sort of things do you think are going to be prescribed in that action plan? It would be, I would be very interested to see what comes out in, <laughs> in the action plan. Yeah. What I would like to see, and, and it's a, basically it's, it's a, an action plan which is shared between the feds, the provinces, and the mm-hmm. territories. So it's the, it's the pan-Canadian, it's the national action plan. I would certainly like to see a lot more around measurement and measurement mm-hmm. down on the farm, measurement at, in the veterinary clinic, uh, measure or by you know by veterinarians and not just in food animals but also in companion animals. So some sort of way to report use mm-hmm. and a, a good way to report resistance. Okay. So I'll take I'll take this. We've gone through a lot of the things we wanted to, to yeah. chat about. I'll, I'll take it a, a step further. So we, we, we discussed, so what can a veterinarian do tomorrow to ensure good stewardship? So now on the flip side, what, what, what do producers need to know? If they wanted to start practicing good stewardship tomorrow, what are some of the things that they can do on a daily basis? Oh, what can producers do? I, I, I think work, work with their veterinarian, mm-hmm. um, work on, on benchmarking, work on documenting what, what they're doing, um, imp- implement the, uh, I think the, the Food Animal Veterinarians of Ontario are working hard on SOPs mm-hmm. uh, for farms and, and on maybe on individual farms. So I, so I think em- embrace it, work with their veterinarian to try to reduce use of antimicrobials and, and document it and compare it to their neighbors. Talk about it. Mm-hmm. So again, do you have anything you'd like to add, Steve? 
I, the one thing that keeps coming up for me, John, is I, I like how you stage it in terms of an act one and, and where we go, and you've talked about some of the pieces. Um, do you see a, a willingness among some of these, sort of the FPT, uh, is act two initiation of, a, of the action plan, is that is that going to be our most sort of concrete approach to, to taking the next step as a as a country here, given that you know we're behind a lot of the quote-unquote leaders of stewardship around the world? Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be good to think that Act Two is partly regulatory, is is partly what goes on in the action plan, mm-hmm. that it includes things like like measurement, measurement of use, because you, you, if you can't measure something, you can't improve it. You can't, mm-hmm. and particularly re- reduction. Yeah. Um, about measurement of resistance. How do we report all the the data that's being kind of lost in the in the diagnostic? Labs, but but I think you you can't you can't re- rely on government <laughs> to necessarily do the right thing. I think they tend to come in at the end and sort of do what you're already doing sometimes. Um, so a lot will come down to to how veterinarians uh, react to this, how the different provincial regulatory bodies what what they will require. Mm-hmm. Like I think they should require stewardship programs as as a standard of. Practice just like an anesthetic machine, or uh, or so. Um, I think a lot depends on what what the industries, the, the agricultural industries, do and how they embrace this. I think we need to be able to show that we're reducing the use of antimicrobials to where their use is is, is clearly substantial and it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's on the way. I mean, I think getting rid of medically important antimicrobials as growth motors has been a sort of a a big advance. It's a little late, but it's but it's a mm-hmm. it's a huge advance for Canada. Yep. Veterinary prescription is a huge advance, but veterinarians and the regulatory agencies have to step up to the plate yep. on this in partnership with agriculture. Yeah, what one maybe follow up I'd have, Dan, um, John. I'm kind of interested in, in your thoughts on it. We, you know, around this table and many other tables, we talk about trying to influence uh, with the grassroots. That was just going to be my next question. Yeah. yeah. So either from the grassroots level, you know, talking to a veterinarian, how how do does he or she convince and influence use on the farm, uh, and then take a level up? How do we, you know, influence the greater uh, population of veterinarians? And from your standpoint, what have been some of the more impactful messages or or approaches that have resonated with these folks that, you know, we really do need to change their... The, their cli- the climate change deniers. You mentioned climate change before. That's right, what yeah. I was going to say. So how do you influence someone? Well, the, I mean, the great thing about antimicrobial resistance is it's not like climate change because most people don't deny it. I mean, they, mean, <laughs> they, they, they say, no, it's real. Right. You know, we accept it. And if they make changes, they can actually see the level of resistance come down. That's, right. mm-hmm. that's really clear. There's a direct relationship between use and and resistance, so it kind of more or less, more or less direct. It's not not exact. Um, so so sorry, I'm, I'm also, so how do we influence people? I, I think one of the influences is antibiotic resistant bacteria, mm-hmm. like MRSP, methicillin resistant staph pseudointermediates, has just gone up like that mm-hmm. in the last. Uh, Five or six years globally. This is in hospitals, then, no, John? No, no, so this is in vet, in in dogs. Okay. okay. This is this and okay. these are multi-drug resistant wow. staph suit intermediates, and there's been a global spread of about six clones in 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 like five or six years through vet clinics, through through vet hospitals, 
And, you know, so that to me is a, is a wake-up call yeah. for what, what's actually happening. And that sort of links not only to the use of particular antibiotics, but also use, links to infection control and poor infection mm-hmm. control, and, and the, you know, which is part of the multi-dimension of stewardship. But how do, we, how do we make sure that resistance isn't here to stay and going to get worse? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 So we... So bacteria are telling <laughs> yeah. us. Bacteria are telling <laughs> us. Listen to the bacteria. Yeah, They're telling us. <laughs> So we, we went over Act 2. Maybe this is a little bit too far in the future. What, what does Act 3 and 4 look like, John? You, you mentioned that uh, right. Act 1 Act 2 might be involved well, measuring. I, I don't think we know yet whether this is actually going to be a comedy or a tragedy. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, I, I, I suspect it may be a tragedy comedy. Mm. Uh, I think Act 2, act two and 3 or, or 3 and 4 will be eventually availability of new antimicrobials, but it will just mean that we will be much, much, much tighter on when we use an antimicrobial, mm-hmm. which antimicrobials we use down the road, and we'll have much better diagnostic systems in place. There, there may be new antimicrobials. Um, they're going to be really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to be available in the veterinary world, except maybe for very high-end animals, and they may not be available at all. Like, 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 people may decide, no, you cannot use whatever the latest expensomycin is <laughs> in animals. You can't. You go to prison if you mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how serious I think this is, wow. potentially. So if that's the case, where do you see um, alternative compounds, so all antibiotic alternatives fitting into the future? Like, what's the next, is, or is there a next big hitter out there in your mind? Um, I, I, it's, hard to, it's hard to predict the future. I, I, mm-hmm. I think there will be better and better anti-inflammatories mm-hmm. out there. There will be better non-specific immunostimulators mm-hmm. um, out there. I think people look, look to the whole world of the microbiome and probiotics you know, with, mm-hmm. with enormous sort of salivation. Whether it will actually you know, turn out to be correct or not, I think... I, I, who, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the interesting things about antimicrobials is, you know, there, there is a downside to antimicrobials. You know, the, the suggestion is out there that the rise of autism is mm-hmm. because of the change of the microbiome, you know, as we live in a much cleaner environment because mm-hmm. of the use of, of antimicrobials to treat ear infections in huh. kids in daycare centers and so on. You know, the rise of, of asthma, the rise of allergies, the rise mm-hmm. of inflammatory bowel disease, mm-hmm. all these sort of things, um, gluten intolerance, all these sort mm-hmm. of things you I think guess are weird and, yeah. weird and fads and mm-hmm. you know, you're not really sure you believe them and you think it's, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of suggestion that, that this is one of the impacts of, of antimicrobials. So I think we need a, a whole new relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Interesting, John. Well, thank you very much for coming. I think we've kind of gone through all the topics we wanted to cover, which is awesome. Is that right? Do you, you, you yeah. Uh, that was great. Well, th- thank, thank you very much for, for coming, John. That was, any, any other parting words that no, you'd like to no, share? No, no. Pearls of wisdom? No, you've obviously got me on my high horse. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I've been thinking about this, and I hope you can use some of that. Oh, I'm sure we will. Yeah. yeah very good. Well, that's, that's awesome. Great. 
Hey guys, okay, so that wraps up the first episode of the Fast Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversations uh, between ourselves and and Dr. Prescott. I think some really interesting things came up and we're keen to continue to follow along this this thought line uh, with some practicing veterinarians across species as well as a few other uh, organizational representatives such as the CVO or the OVC, for example. We're also going to be working on a number of other tools and resources for veterinarians and farmed animal owners, all focused on communicating about the importance of antimicrobial resistance and what practice of antimicrobial stewardship looks like. You can find all of the up-to-date tools and resources available online at www.amstewardship.ca and please feel free to get in touch with us anytime by phone, by email, or in person wherever you might find us to talk about what you'd like to see being developed moving forward. You can email us at info at amstewardship.ca. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you soon. (music) 